writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the right pack. Welcome back to Right Pack Radio. This is David Allen Lucas, author of, well, many things, but right now I'm working on a story called Pattern of Lies, which is a psychological thriller. With me today is... Fedora Amos. I am president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime, and I write Victorian whodunits, and some other stuff as well. I have just signed a contract with Star for a book, which should come out in 16, and it is called Mayhem at Buffalo Bill's Wild West. Nice. Excellent. Hey. Congratulations. Yay. Thank you. Uh, Brad R. Cook. Um, I wrote a steampunk novel called Iron Horseman that's out now. I highly recommend you check it out. It's a good yarn. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm also president of the St. Louis Writers Guild and um, doing a bunch of acquisitions and author stuff for Blank Slate Press. I'm Melanie Claney. I write uh, sci-fi, uh, fantasy, and uh, nonfiction. And um, I don't have anything out published yet. Uh, well, recently. Okay. <laughs> and with that, okay. <laughs> well, today, after having talked about addiction last week, let's talk about something a little bit more laid back. Let's talk about our guilty pleasures of writing and writers. So... Does anyone have any guilty pleasures they want to admit to? Well, I don't know about wanting to. However, <laughs> you know that my favorite kind of book to read is mystery, right? Everybody knows that. Yes. That's what I love. That's what I write. Well, I like other things, too. I'm quite eclectic. I have a pretty good fondness for even steampunk. Well, Why thank not? you. Yes. <laughs> and science fiction and all manner of things. But not high on my list is horror. Mm. There is only, and I've read Stephen King and mm-hmm. I find the stuff, you know, that's okay. I don't even find it terribly scary to tell you the mm-hmm. truth. But there is one horror book that I really couldn't put down. Just couldn't put down. And I will say that I am Especially glad I was not pregnant when I read this book Ooh, because that book I think is, I know who it is what Rosemary's Baby. Oh, <laughs> you're eleven. You're a devil. I like it. Uh, I don't know. To be perfectly honest, I'm probably writing a guilty pleasure. I write steampunk. I'm sure steampunk is a guilty pleasure for some people. They probably want to brown cover that so people don't know they're reading steampunk. Just seems to be the nature of steampunk, but. Uh, Personally, I, I I read everything, and by that I literally mean everything. I love mysteries, I love dramas, and I love you know nonfiction books. I've read some great ones of that. I love romance, and I'll totally admit to it. Um, partly it's because I have a bunch of writer friends who are romance writers, and they put out books, and that's how it started. Uh, they put out books, and you know I went to their book signings, and I picked them up, and you know, I actually read them. And they actually were really good if you got past all the kissy parts. <laughs> and, you know, then, you know, I, I found that I kind of enjoyed them. So Paranormal Romance is, is a blast. Authors like Angie Fox, uh, even now, you know, Jeannie Lynn has become a uh, steampunk author. So she's like a steampunk romance author now. So that's fun. 
Yeah, and I was uh, thinking of uh, yeah romances. Basically, guilty pleasures must be the books you're you're embarrassed to admit you're reading. So if you go by that, yeah, that would be the uh, that would be the category. But yeah, the writing fantasy also is kind of a guilty pleasure for me because um, that's let's just say it would surprise most people at work. <laughs> really, well, you hide it from your people at work? Not yeah? actively, but I don't advertise it either. <laughs> you know, this is what e-readers are good for: hiding what you read. Yes, <laughs> no paper on paper. We have e-readers. Yes. Actually, that's funny. You hide what you read from your co-workers but, with an e-reader, but you can't hide what you read from the NSA. Okay. Yeah. But that's just <laughs> yeah, but the NSA doesn't look at me and judge me and go, why are you reading that? that. This is true. See them judging. Well, do you have favorites in the romance genre? That is cowboy westerns. Oh, if you want to break it down. I do. I, what do you I would have to say it's the, it's the paranormal romance. Paranormal. because and, and partly that's due to the people writing them. You know, people like Angie Fox, Chantel Miller, these type of people. Or Chantel Madison, my bad. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I know those authors, and, and that, that's how I kind of bridged into that world. Um, so, you know, it's... Plus, you know, having odd magical creatures and demons and all that kind of fun stuff makes it more interesting than maybe your average bodice ripper that's set in, like, some southern plantation. Have you read Jeannie Lynn's... Uh, Ancient Chinese yes. ones. Yes. Oh, like that's it? actually yes, yes, yes. The the butterfly swords was yes. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Now, was that the same author as um, uh, Peony or oh, Perse- Okay, I can't remember the name either. But I, I read something that I was wondering if that's the author. It could be, but I don't remember enough to say. It had ghosts in it, and it was set in no, China. No, written any ghosts. Okay. Yeah. She's written strictly... Pity and Love, that was the name of it, and I think it was by a different author. Yeah. No, she's written um, strictly books that, so far, anyway, I've, at least I've seen, it's books set in ancient China, very yep. romance. Okay. And, and her latest one very is very woman-empowering. Uh, yeah, I like yeah, that. They are, they are very woman-empowering. Mm-hmm. And a quick shout-out, uh, she does have a new steampunk book out, uh, Gunmetal Alchemy, which I recommend also picking up. Ah. Aha. So she's now branching out. Well, she's branching out all over the place, but <laughs> yes, her latest one's into steampunk. Speaking and of steampunk, why don't you give a definition, just in case there's anybody out there who doesn't all right, know I would love what to. it is. I get that question all the time. What okay. is steampunk? Uh, my favorite way of putting it is Victorian sci-fi. Uh, and the reason I say that is because it's generally there's two types. Um, you either have historically based steampunk, which is generally set in the Victorian era, or like Jeannie did, she set it at the time of the uh, Opium Wars. Um, however, uh, you also have the kind of, um, futuristic alternative dimension steampunk that can take place in anywhere. But the entire point is that you're using steam technology and kind of extrapolating out the possibilities of what might have been, what might have happened, what could have happened, but didn't happen, what they could have done, but didn't do all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, but you know, it's really just a lot of leather and brass and brown. So they're all action-adventure stories, you would say? Most of them, yeah. They tend to be. They're, they're really in that Jules Verne um, mm-hmm. kind of vein. Uh, I like to, th- you know, like your Alan Quartermain, Lost City of Gold type stuff. Yeah, your classic adventure novels. They're really based on And a couple of other examples that um, our listeners may have seen, as far as movie-wise, Back to the Future 3 has some yep, steampunk yep, in it. Yeah, definitely the train. Um, and, Especially the end one. Yep, <laughs> and Wild Wild West. 
Wild Wild Giant Spider, yes. League yeah. of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Thank you. That Thank is you. the best, best reference ever. <laughs> Actually, I, I think Wild one, Wild yes. West more of the old TV show than there the movie. There are also some great but... animes. Uh, if Jen mm-hmm. were here, she and I would be geeking out mm-hmm. over Last Exile or um, Steam Boy or any of the numerous other ones that are... But yeah, it's, it's basically... Um, much akin to Jules Verne. He was the first steampunk author, even though he didn't know it. Uh, he was writing contemporary, but a uh, hundred years later, and we're all calling it steampunk. So. Yeah. Well, of course, his stuff actually came true. Yes. Well, this is true. <laughs> Most of it, anyway. That's the scary part. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you want, you can branch out. There's also diesel punk, which is more your 30s and 40s. You got engines and oil and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, clockwork is going before the steam technology, so... Think the Three Musketeers time or something like that, and then you can come all the way forward to cyberpunk, which is modern day crazy computer stuff and all that fun stuff. So. Ghost in the Shell. So yeah, cool. there's classics. William Gibson. Yeah, uh, you're blowing my mind with all these new terms. I'm uh, aware I love of them. it. Yeah, I live diesel, in that world. Huh? Yeah, diesel punk. Diesel Welcome it. to the punk world. Yes. <laughs> Do we have to add punk to everything? Yes, it's punk. Mandatory. Oh, and uh, that makes it cool. Joining us now, waiting for chance to do, and joining us and ready to tell us her guilty pleasures, or at least a guilty pleasure, is my famous co-host Kathleen Kayembe. I apologize for being late, listeners, and this can be my um, crazy intro to me. Okay, any and guilty pleasures you want to admit to? Uh, be it reading or things you do, something no one's touched yet. Guilty pleasures you might do for writing. Or to write it, to begin writing, or anything. Such as you can only write when you're in the bathtub or something I was just like thinking that. that. Yeah, yeah. That was George Seminole. Really? Really. That's I did not said. know. I did yeah. not know he wrote in the bathtub. That's what he said. Whether it's true or well, not, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to take him at face value. Wow. I think I'd rather use a typewriter. Uh, I a would, too. And a laptops, <laughs> laptops and water don't mix well. I would think not. Is it a guilty pleasure if you're not guilty about it? No, sure. yes, yes, definitely. All right, because I have some things that, like, I wouldn't want to tell coworkers necessarily. Yeah, that that's perfect definition. That was my definition. There's nothing that's going to get you fired. That's okay. Oh. <laughs> well, that's so, a different deal, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I like reading erotic romance. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'll admit to liking it, too, uh, although, let's just say it can be go too far. <laughs> nah. It depends on what you signed up for when you started the story. Because, as with most things, like, as long as the reader... An author contract is fulfilled appropriately. I'm cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like if I signed up to read this, and this is what you give me, and then you also surprised me and made me happy, but it didn't break any of the rules you set. I'm cool with you. No, if cool you didn't story. know you were going to be reading dinosaur porn at the beginning of that, book, <laughs> at the end of it, you're reading about velociraptors and humans getting it on. Then yeah, maybe that's bad. No, but to be perfectly honest, I love that those books are out there. Wait, seriously? There's a. It's a whole line. No, 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 no. It's a whole line. Dinosaur porn. Check it out. <laughs> Dinosaur okay. erotica. I've it is dinosaur like, and human porn. Mm, no, yeah. But like, this is a whole thing. There's a, in the covers are a dinosaur and a woman. Why has it got to be a woman all the time? That's a good question. That's a good That's question. A great question. Thank you. Maybe it's something that um, has to do like with the Japanese ideas. Hentai tentacle porn. Yeah, yeah. That's actually not where this comes out of. It, <laughs> it comes God. out of a branch of romance. Let's go back to horror. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought, did we leave? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, but you know, I was saying some of those. <laughs> speaking of guilty pleasures, some of those I do read, and again, 
dissected. It's like, wait a minute, how is this working? And figure out how they do things. And that's writing technique type I'm things. sorry, now but I'm thinking about dissecting dinosaurs. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no. So I love horror, too. Actually. I'm going to go back to her, horror. and I don't love horror. However, oh, I love horror. and I know that there is, amongst this group, a great um, animus against vampires. No. No, no, and no. no, no. no vampires. Vampires. My book. Now, Jennifer isn't here, or you'd hear more yeah. about I love, that. But I took a class on these things. I love them. It's not vampires. It's <laughs> fake pires, okay? Fake <laughs> <laughs> are not New vampires, okay? Well, I don't like sparkly vampires, and I don't like scary vampires, vampires, and I don't even like Anne Rice vampires, (laughs) but I do like one brand of vampire, and that is Vampire Camp. I like campy vampire movies with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and Vincent Price and buckets and buckets of Technicolor blood. That I like. Wow. Now that I will give you. You want to go back to some of the old movies there. They are classically wonderful things. In fact, some of those old monster movies. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Love that. Love that. How, how can you not love that? I mean, you know, it's literally a guy swimming around in a swimming pool most of the time. It's hilarious. <laughs> that leads to something that I don't... I don't think it should be a guilty pleasure. Bad fic. Bad fic. That is the term. The fandom term. When a story is so bad, you just... You read it for the amusement level... And that's it. The snark that comes out of your head is what you get out of it. (laughs) But, like, there are some things that have so much potential, and I read them even though everything about the execution is terrible, because I'm like, wow, this was a good idea. Well, that's why the Booze Your Own Adventure worked, because they were writing a bad novel on purpose. Can you please explain Booze Your Own Adventure real quick? Okay, Booze Your Own Adventure was uh, or is a series of people that I haven't actually uh, watched in a while, but they have videos. If you do a Google search, you'll find them online. And I think they're in either season two or season three now. Probably season two still. But um, Is it B-O-O is your own adventure? Booze, like, the, like, like, like what you drink. Like, like what you drink. In videos. Videos. It used to be called Fifty Shades of Green, yes. but the idea is they purposely crowdsourced writing a parody young adult uh, they parodied a sort of a twilight type book but it's mm-hmm. a gentle parody it's a parody that you might not realize is a parody mm-hmm. and they had a lot of fun writing it and yeah is this like fan thick that's bubblegum S- style S- uh, no. more, get they, it these people think. the people from that guy with the glasses.com um the nostalgia chick being i guess the ringleader uh love YA and so much of YA now is essentially paranormal romance but with teenagers in it Mm -hmm. and a lot of that sprung from the Twilight books so that there were there were a lot of conventions yes they have uh, stereotypes in them so they decided to write their own book rife with stereotypes and see what happened before I let you go Brad real quick I'm going to say one thing and there's a comment as much as we have gone off on Twilight in all these episodes, <laughs> okay, we have to admit one thing. Be it Twilight or be it Harry Potter, actually it's really both, both of those have gotten the kids re-engaged heavily into reading. Amen. So, yay for that. Brett. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, um, when you have that, okay, so most fiction takes itself really seriously. I'll even admit to having done that. But when you get to that level of snarkiness, where the author obviously didn't care, didn't really care how this was going to go, just had fun writing it, 
that's a fun read. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it may not be the best thing under the sun. It may just be something that, you know, you're passing around or something like that. But it's really funny. And, you know, I well, totally think And just to be, to be clear, they wrote, they're working on the sequel now. It's going to be a trilogy. What? Um, it's going to be a five-book trilogy or a trilogy? Well, they're planning on the trilogy. The third one is going to be dystopian. So the second one is going to destroy the world. But, um... And pausing for just a second, we now have Meredith Tate joining us. Um, she is in New York, and she's taking a quick break out of a play to come and join and talk about guilty pleasures. Hey, Meredith. Hello, so, so she's calling in on a cell phone. Yep, we can hear you. The issue is, will the tape be able to hear tape, you? Tape's getting it. Okay. So what's your favorite guilty pleasure to read? Let's see. My favorite guilty pleasure. I have a very bad habit of snacking while I'm writing. Oh, there snacking you go. Snacking and um, probably Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, guilty pleasures. Kind of like write a sentence, refresh my Twitter, and that's very bad. Don't get into that habit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. So, what other guilty pleasures do you have as writers? We've talked about what we read. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I've avoided segue. talking about what I read. So, we talk yeah. about what we read, so... Uh, I have about, a meme for that. What guilty pleasures we have when we read? Yeah, so far. Hmm, let me think. I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure, but I still love, like, middle grade and YA. But I don't consider that a guilty pleasure, so I don't feel guilty for it. I get to call it research, but I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Kathleen? There was a meme that a friend of mine named Alice online um, started... Things I like in my slash. Slash would be the fandom term for uh, gay romance. So, okay. a bunch of friends and I all wrote up a list of our favorite tropes, our favorite things that we saw in slash fiction that we love to read. We read over and over again. Things that, like, if we saw it in a description, we'd be like, I'm on that. I'm reading that. I haven't done it in a while, though. Do you guys have, have things that you just, if you see it, you're immediately going to want to read it? Oh, so like it's almost, it can even be a cliche, but you oh, just yes. want to. Tropes, cliches, character types. Hmm. Uh, this might not be exactly what you're talking about, but coffee table books. Mm-hmm. I am horrible with them. I love them to death. Like books about tree houses, books about canyons, books about trees. Yeah, you know, it's giant Those are my pictures. Yeah. Every time I go to someone's house, it's one I always read them. Exactly. Like I, I love coffee table books. I have, gosh, numerous of them. Way more than I have coffee tables, that's for certain. <laughs> no, just in case someone doesn't know, mo- most people imagine know what it means, but just in case, a coffee pa- table book is a book that's designed to just sit and live on the coffee table. And They're generally super pretty. oversized. Be- be pretty. Yeah. Super pretty. Glossy photographs. Glossy photographs. Good art. Not a storyline that someone would have to read to the end to understand. There's no storyline. There's no story, it's usually. Yeah. It's just pictures. Pretty Something pictures. Something you Look can flip through. You don't have to start on page one. No. Right. Love them. Read them all the time. I don't want to treat them. Just going to say, I go to Barnes & Noble's like, bargain section to hunt for them. No, oh. to sell. Because they are expensive. They are. Yeah. You can get them like, really cheap there, so it's awesome. <laughs> well, I like certain historical periods. I love ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. I love the Victorian yes. era. And there's one where I may tell you about or may not. It's uh, <laughs> uh, I'll think about that. Mm. <laughs> what? That sounds like a very guilty pleasure. I like that she's leaving you. Yeah. I'm open-ended. Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at her, just so you know. Yeah, <laughs> she, she, she's giving her the look. 
Good luck. Well, what about you, Melanie? Right, guys, okay. I gotta run. Okay, oh. well, thank you for joining for your brief time. Enjoy your play. Yeah, have fun, everyone. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, she's awesome. Yes. I assume that was intermission? That was intermission. At whatever place she's seeing, I don't remember what she told me. So, anyway, so, what guilty pleasures Wait. are there? I'll admit to one. Oh, no, you Fedora go. had one she was uh, about to ahead, talk about. Oh, you don't, oh, you don't want me? No, I'm, I'm not going to let her off the hook. I'm just going to let... Okay. We'll come back. I'm one of those sneaky guys who waits a little yeah. while, comes around, then, boom, <laughs> wham, right <laughs> at you. Okay. Do I really want to admit to this? Yes, I will admit to it. How about real life mysteries? True crime. Nothing wrong with true, that. Crime. true crime. True crime good. situations. True are. They got a whole channel on TV for that. Oh yes, I know. <laughs> oh, I. You probably don't know about it, but there's this um, podcast. It's a branch of This American Life. Mm -hmm. um, it's the podcast is called Serial, and they're trace. They're basically going through. A conviction. I think he was convicted 14 years ago when he was a either 18 or you know high schooler of killing his ex girlfriend. And it's did he do it? Didn't he do it? And they always they're going back and forth all the time. And I don't know how it ends. I just listened to the first episode, but I think all the episodes are out now. Okay. So you can follow actual court dramas and cases and stuff. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. The problem with following real things, especially in real time, in real life, things take a long time. Yes, they can. <laughs> that, that's where I like to live at. Yeah. I like to live in the real time. I'm on top of sensational stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that's just like, hmm, why did X kill Y? Or did X kill Y? Is this just lousy police work because they need to close yeah. the case? Well, that's the other thing. In real life, you seldom know for sure, even if someone pleads guilty, if that's really the truth. Yep, this is true. And the other parts of Guilty Pleasures, we had a um, serial rapist running around in St. Louis not that many years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was staying on top of that case, um, talking with various people on top of that case, just, you know, trying to figure out what the next um, issues or next locations, blah, 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 blah. The fun, the I, I, I'm I'm bad. I, I've got I've been given the nickname Castle from the TV show. You know, ooh, is it? Is there another murder? And is it gruesome today? Type aspect. Speaking mm, of that's that me. case, is that still waiting for trial? Castle? Or no, the serial. Uh, <laughs> I th no, I thought it went through trial already. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. I was just wondering if that played out. It seems like the type of trial that they played out. Yeah. The Castle TV show dynamic is very, very, very. Pleasurable thing for me. Not guilty. Just enjoy it's it. Oh, it's very mm -hmm. much pleasurable. Like the 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 off the wall person and the and the person you think is completely straight laced and turns out not to be. Oh yeah. I love that Beckett can still shock Castle, mm -hmm. and Castle is the one coming up with all the crazy theories that turn out to not quite be so crazy sometimes. Yes, and I've missed the log line. I like the first season's log line. There are two kinds of people who sit around and think about about murder. Psychopaths and mystery writers. I'm the one that pays better. <laughs> I'd love that because that's me. <sighs> Psychopaths are one. Psychopaths and sociopaths. They're this, uh... They're, they're different. different. Well, they're, they're different, different. And I'm saying both of them. Mm -hmm. Those are a guilty pleasure for me in terms of characters. 
one of my favorite anime characters, is totally a psychopath. He's also an empath. And a, a wow, telepath. that's a that's a twist. He's the most manipulative person in the face of the planet, and I love him. I would never want to meet him ever in real life, ever. He would need to be somewhere far from me because he's dangerous. Mm -hmm. But as a character, I like villains who can be unpredictable because they don't think like a normal person. Well, let me throw that question. Does anyone have a guilty pleasure of wanting the villain to succeed in the book? Hmm. No, villain stories are great. I'm not even going to lie. I mean, look at Maleficent or... You know, any of these new Leverage. twists that they've done where they've Ocean taken the, the villain and put them to the front. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jet Li and Lethal Weapon 4 should have won. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No way Mel Gibson beat him. That was ridiculous. I'll say no, because oh, mystery writers want the payoff is supposed to be justice. And yes. that's where I am. I am with justice. You got and so sting. I don't like Hannibal Lecter, you know. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes. I was just talking about that with Dave the other day, and there's the sequel, which I can't think of the name of, to Red Silence Dragon, of the Lands. Yeah. No, that was the prequel. Right. Hannibal. Hannibal. Hannibal, thank you. Hannibal. Just to let anyone know, I'm not going to tell you what the endings are, but the movie and the book end completely differently. So if you've seen the movie and read the book, you're going to be surprised, or shocked, or disappointed. I'm not sure what. <laughs> All of the above? How yeah. okay of feelings. Yeah. What happens in a mystery, though, where it doesn't feel like justice if the killer or whoever the criminal is if that person's caught what happens if there's a villain that is in some way more sympathetic than the well yeah. there were some agatha more christie novels like that where i think i'm well, gonna stanley garner too yeah um i'm gonna mispronounce his name hercules perot Hercule 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 thank you i can't pronounce his name correctly but i don't remember the name of the story but there was a murder on, murder on the blue train or something like Oriental that. Express. Express. I think it's a different one. Okay. Really? Okay. Yeah. What's there the story? Is, it, it, oh, that is oh. one, though, where the yeah. murderers aren't necessarily the people you want to have, like, yeah. get in trouble for Street it. Justice. But basically yeah. he gives two alternatives. One, the reader is supposed to believe. One is supposed to be not true, and clearly not true to the reader, but plausible. So it's like, okay, you have a choice. You can believe this and have all these this happen, or you can believe this and the murderer will never be caught. And guess what? They chose option number two. That sounds like Oriental Express. Yeah, it sounds like murder I, on the Oriental Express. I get the blue train and Oriental Express confused in my head, so I don't remember which is which. I haven't read blue train. Yeah. Was no. there more than one killer? I don't remember. Again, I get the two in my head oh, confused. Darn, I have to do more reading. Oops. Yeah. Well, I think we're talking about two different things because you're talking about legalities for one thing yes, and yeah. justice for another. And mm. not always do the two meet up together. Amen. You That's can true. have justice without having a legal Most resolution definitely. to anything. And vice versa. Mm -hmm. You can have a legal resolution and not necessarily have justice. Well, thinking of uh, Game of Thrones, that's a case where at least for some of the time the bad guys seem to win. Mm -hmm. You know, so often the bad guy wins in Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. and the good guy dies horribly. So, is there any it's called life? No, yeah, just kidding. no kidding. Oh, it's called life in Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's called life. Um, any guilty pleasures that you do before you write or after you've written a story? I mean, take a look at, if anybody remembers Stephen King's book and the movie Misery. The, Let's the, not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter? You don't like the idea of having your legs No, no one is kidnapping off? me, putting me into a room, and making me write a book and hobbling me. That is, okay. That's a nightmare. I wouldn't but, mind the first bit. 
Not the kidnapping necessarily, but the shoving you in a room and making you write a book. Yeah. Okay. But the idea when he finished it, that's when he could have a cigarette or have a smoke or whatever it was. Hmm. So he doesn't have anything. I know somebody who. It's a mutual friend of some of us um, who, when he finishes up his up his uh, first draft, he'll have a cigar. I don't have any rituals like that. Maybe I should consider them. Huh. Go for it. Pizza. 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 Ooh, I don't kind? allow myself to eat pizza, generally speaking. But uh-huh. okay. if I get something off to a publisher, yeah, I'll treat myself to pizza. Ooh. Excellent. Do you have other ones? I don't think so. Just that one. Well, pizza's pretty good. How did yeah. you come by that? I don't know. She finished a Just book and so said, I'm in the mood for pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it and it works. And it works. I like it, yeah. I like to have a hot drink by me. But oh, I always yeah. like to have a drink by me anyway, because I'm generally thirsty. I would say hydration is par for the course. Because every mm-hmm. writer I know has something next to them that they're drinking. Yeah. Coffee. Let's look Coffee, at table. juice, juice, soda, water, water. But I will admit, alcohol. From time, yeah, there, that you just hit me. From time to time, not often, but sometimes I will have wine while I'm writing. I can't do it. It like puts me to sleep. Yeah, I don't. I I, it's think. like I'll have maybe one maximum of two drinks of wine, and that's when I say a maximum. We're talking about that's a full eight-hour writing session. So yeah, it's not that much, but I understand. Because yeah, if I go out and if I say, let's say, I've gone out with some friends. We've gone to dinner, we've had some drinks, and now it's time I'm home and I'm going to write. Yeah, the writing occurs behind my eyeball, <laughs> eyelids because I'm going to go right to sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm still intrigued by this pizza when you reach a milestone for writing. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I'm all for I, I love it. I'm all for yeah. rewarding yourself when you finish. Heck yeah, you should reward mm-hmm. yourself. Or each, each milestone anyway. Well, so, I, was just, yeah, I was just talking to you at the uh, St. Louis Writers Guild's uh, Holiday Book Fair. Uh, that we just had on Saturday uh, about this very thing, about how you need to mark these milestones because when you hit the period, the last period on your first draft, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. A lot of people aren't even going to make it to that step. Mm-hmm. So, bam, celebrate. When you send off to an agent or to a publisher or anything, even if you don't hear back, you got that window of hope and idealism and all that stuff. Celebrate. You know, when the book actually comes out, it's in your hand, you get to take the picture of the box of books or whatever, celebrate. I don't know. I, I think we need to mark these milestones. I totally agree. Outside of writing, my other my other part of my life, the martial arts and other things, there's a kind of a tradition among some of my black belts fellows when you went, when you hit when you've actually earned your black belt. And in my style, you earn your black belt. Not one of these that you can buy it when you when you have your parents buy it when you're six years old. No. We have a two and a half hour physical test as well as being able to fight and also we have a paper we have to do as well, a paper presentation. Oh. And anyway, we have a black belt party. It could be a dinner party, it could be whatever, but we have a party to celebrate a brand new person into the club of black belts. Because you, you're on a whole different level. Um, and that's, I've, I always thought about that with my writing. It's like, okay, I have finished, it's time to party. Even if there's a party by myself, it's time to party. Because <laughs> I have got that rough draft done. Yes. And then there's parties for each of the drafts later. <laughs> 
that still counts. That counts. There's a <laughs> lot of work. People don't, you know, a lot of readers who don't, who've never picked up the pen to try to write, have no no idea how much work goes in to writing a book and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. And rewriting. rewriting. I'm putting in there. I'm throwing all that in there. Continue Which, to by the way, we were talking about before we started recording. Fedora, you finished reading Brad's new book. I'm on chapter three of his new book, and I'm like, it's going to buy too fast. I want to enjoy it for longer. You know what the scary part is on Amazon. You know, on on the new Kindles and stuff like that, they'll tell you how many hours it will take to yes. finish this book. <laughs> really? Yes, yeah. and it is the most painful thing. I'm at like six, seven hours to finish my book, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't know. It was just. I don't know. It took me forever to write it, forever to do it. It's going to take you six hours to read it. Thank (laughs) you. Good to know. I can understand the the, the reason behind doing that would be for people like me who are I just want to start this and, oh, it's going to take four hours and I have to be somewhere in two. Maybe I shouldn't. But at the same time, it takes some of the joy out. This is why I like paper over the e-books in the sense of, I want to know how many more pages there is to the end of a chapter. I might stay up and finish reading a chapter and then I'll go to bed or whatever. I don't want to know how many hours. I want to know pages. Because if I know how many hours, it actually it demotivates me from reading it. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I'm I weird. can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why I write short chapters. So mm-hmm. that you can do thank you. them in blocks. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, oh, anyway. and thank you for the shout out to the right pack at the end. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Oh, I haven't gotten there yet. I yeah. To, I'll get there. Well, you get to see your name there. Yeah. So, what are some other guilty pleasures? Who eats chocolates while they're writing? Not so much when I write. I'll munch things when I write, but yeah. I once I get into a zone, there is no food. I will drink something oh. if I remember. Mm-hmm. No. no, no, no. Keep the salty stuff away from me, because potato chips, crackers, all that kind of stuff, because mm-hmm. I will be writing, and my subconscious will go yum. And then that automatic motion of the hand <laughs> to the mouth, and I'm continuing to write or whatever. You know, you put it in, you write, and ooh, I think another. Like, I think it's so. like some a lot of writers, at least past. I don't. I'm not gonna say present. Smoke when they write. Could be, but yeah, it keeps I, the mouth busy. You know, yeah. I like to eat uh, potato chips, especially. So, yep, not a good thing. Too bad kale chips have all that oil in them. Otherwise, they'd be a good substitute. Mm, no way. I was mm. wondering about that. The, the the oil and the grit on your fingers if you're typing. Yeah, no, are you kidding? Keyboard, wouldn't no, you? are you kidding? That's what jeans are for. <laughs> <laughs> so everything you grab, jean, type. It's, it's a whole God. system. So on the outer portion of the thigh of your jeans, <laughs> I should expect to see... Oil stains. Yes. Yeah. No, they are the... I mean, jeans are the napkins of everywhere. <laughs> Walking in. Well, before jeans, there were the dogs. Exactly. <laughs> Lick my fingers, please. Mm-hmm. I'm and actually, I'm not kidding. Sorry, sidebar. Medieval times, that's how the dog would run around the dining room. That was your mobile napkin. Dude, all those... Eat your vegetables. I did. I fed them to the dog. <laughs> that was totally okay. Yeah, that's, you so know. unfair. Yeah. <laughs> so does anybody do anything else that's guilty? Or what... As far as your writing, I'll admit, if I... I know some writers, they get up, they actually get dressed in a suit, and sit down and write. No. Pajamas. Not me. I know I one my... who, who actually got an office, mm-hmm. and would only write there. 
Now, I do know several authors who have offices, maintain offices and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they're out of the home. I yeah. Like away. Mm-hmm. I want one. And I can get that. And I know people who go to, you know, cafes to write and stuff like that. Yes. Like that one, David. Right here. I see David. You know, I, I got to admit, throw me on my couch, leave me alone for a few hours. Well, that's where I go is because I can't get that at home. Yeah. <laughs> and I might only write for like, you know, like every morning I write for about two-hour block, you know, at least. A good two-hour cool. block. And then, you know, go on with the rest of my day. But, you know, during that time, it's pretty much just me and my apple juice and a lot of you know speedy finger typing yep i think uh my guilty pleasure would probably be i would call it over researching or tangential researching yes. like i research a legitimate question and then that leads me to another question which leads me to another question and those you know second and thirds don't really have anything to do with what i'm Ooh. writing at the moment <laughs> being your being yeah. your sounding board quite frequently i will answer that with a whole yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yes yeah <laughs> go ahead i gotta throw out another one uh so uh cell phone games uh oh. guilty pleasure oh. i I refuse to use the internet or anything else during the block of time that I am writing because I already know if I jump on the internet, I will not jump off of it. So um, I will use cell phone games or tablet games or whatever uh, as as a reward. So I will write and I will write and I will write. I'll finish the scene and then I will play a game. Gets my mind off of it. Gets mm-hmm. me ready for the next scene or whatever like that. But. Uh, yeah, because otherwise, you know, I'll sit there and play games and not write. And, and I'll do something similar. I'll, I, if I get stuck, if I am stuck and I can't write my way out of it, yeah, then I'll play a game, I'll play a game or throw darts or something just to get my mind away. When you from don't it know what to say. It. Yep, Fruit Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll do Star Wars Rebel Command. I spent entirely too much time last night playing match three games on my phone. More time than I wanted. I think having it as a reward is a really good plan. Yeah, that's what that's what a timer is good for. I ignore those. <laughs> well, okay. It's a failing. Yeah, I can't solve that. Yeah. Well. No, no. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say the other one that I often I like is music. Uh, yes. I I'm, I love to listen to music when I write. Um, I will sometimes write with the TV on. Um, I mm-hmm. will totally admit that I sometimes just leave it on CNN and. Uh, turn it into background noise, you know, whatever they're mouthing off on that day. But uh, music is really, and then whatever sets the mood, so whatever music's going to set the mood right. I was going to jump off of music. I have a not-so-guilty pleasure that David shares for a particular kind of music yes, when writing. Um, immediate symphony? Immediate, immediate music. music. There we go. Immediate music is uh, one such group. It's mm-hmm. trailer music. Yeah. So soundtracks, trailer music, those are amazing for me when I'm writing. Number one, I need to share some music with you, by the way. Um, some new ones I found. But, yeah, I've got playlists that I listen to of trailer music. And I also now have, because some friends sitting around this table have said, go ahead and do it anyway, I went back to um, Pandora Radio. Mm, yeah, and created an epic music, epic writing station. You know, it's, so I'll share that with you as well. But that is, um, it just feeds it in. If I'm not, if I want the music, but I'm not focused on what scene I'm writing, fantastic. If I'm focused on a scene, I know if I know what music I want to listen to, I will put that music on loop. Mm-hmm. If you were to ever look at my iTunes and you go, oh my god, why has that song been listened to 200 some odd times? That's one that's probably I've, ha- I've written a scene to. 
especially fight scenes. Certain music goes with. A playlist too. Yes. Oh, yes. Particular for particular stories. See, I have full like soundtracks. So like Hans Zimmer, mm-hmm. um, John Williams, all those guys. Love them. Eric Serra. A couple of Eric ones Sarah we. Eric Serra, I've not heard. He did the music for uh, Fifth Element. Oh, yes. note to self. Um, since she opened it up, immediate music, two steps from hell, future world music. Um, oh, a my audio, audio machine. God, I couldn't think of it for a second. And there's a bunch of other ones which are really good out there. Mm. And Danny Elfman, last of the big, awesome composers. Nox Arcana. Yes, very much so. Nox Arcana. So anyway, you had a you had a guilty pleasure, Fedora. Are you going? Okay, to- okay. Well, this is a book which changed not my life, but my attitude, and it's a guilty pleasure Ooh. because it's a romance and. Brad, thank you for introducing <laughs> this topic because it is. When I was in college, I was an honor student, and of course, I read absolutely nothing but the classics, but mm-hmm. good literature. And I told everybody that because I was arrogant, you know. And some of my friends said that there was one book that I ought to read, and it was an old book even at the time. There was one book I ought to read, and that mm-hmm. that would change my mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they finally persuaded me to read it, and I did read it, and it did change my mind. Do you want to know the title of that Please. book? Yes, yes. I'm, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> drum roll. Bingo. And how it changed my mind, of course. It is Forever Amber by Kathleen Windsor. Okay. It is a restoration romance set in the time of King Charles II of England, mm. and it's what made me want to write historical fiction because if I could do that change people's views about history which she did, she changed my view about history because she made it interesting, she made it come alive and before that history was something you studied because you had to get a good grade in it, but that became a goal of mine to eventually write historical fiction and maybe, just maybe it would get some people to begin to love history. Ooh, I like that. I'm yeah. a huge history buff, so, so getting I. people to love history is awesome. Actually, that's one of the reasons why I write uh, historical fantasy, the steampunk stuff. Um, one, it's my love of history, so I know a lot, parting a lot of knowledge out. But two, it's to you know invigorate that sense of history. That's why I put so much history into the book. Like, There's a lot of real history in the book. I simply noticed. because <laughs> I love to impart that kind of stuff. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually going to throw out, you were mentioning reading all the classics. That's actually one of my guilty pleasures. Books that are over a century old. Uh, and not necessarily books, because I can't necessarily afford books that are a century old. But the stories within them, um, you know, I have read all, all tons and tons of the classics and then just tons of weird, odd novels that you find that are, well, you know, from the 1800s or, you know, maybe even earlier. I love reading all of them. And you're right, everyone thinks you're like... You, know, you, you say that, and everyone goes, oh, <laughs> oh what are you reading? <laughs> hey, well, I'm reading Plato in yes. the original. Every, every, and I have read, you know, all of his. Loved, actually, uh, Plato. You read it in Latin or English? Of course the English. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I'm not reading it not in the original. I'm, I'm not reading nothing, the ancient, no. ancient tombs. No. Uh, along those lines, tomes, you want to go I should say. Well, now it's over a century old. 
Give me good old Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Oaks. Exactly. See, that's exactly the kind of stuff good I'm talking about. Good action adventure oh, shot. love it. See, I love La Morte Arthur. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite novels. It novel. Calling it a novel is kind of weird. It's like that thick, and I just put my fingers as far apart as they could go. But, uh, yeah. Epic novel. <laughs> well, it's actually a ton of short stories oh. compiled together into an epic into chronicle. Right. But, uh, you know, that was written in the 1400s. And has all the these and thous and, you know, all the, the old English type stuff. So, it's a fun read, but no one else, I think, in the Never? world. Would... Yes. No. I liked that. I want to finish reading it. Oh, I highly I recommend it. class pieces. Yes, I love good. it. I've read it three times, and that's the most ridiculous thing ever. It's not ridiculous. Reading things are good over and over. It's fine. And that's full, like, you know, reading sections. I've read sections tons and tons of times, but full on through that mm, massive book. Three times, love it. I liked Herodotus. You should totally read him if you haven't. Yet. I have read Herodotus. Oh I've gosh. read a lot of the uh, old historians. I know that's so weird to say. No, it's no, awesome. It's yeah, yeah. I, I took, I, I read um, some of Herodotus's uh, histories mm-hmm. um, for a Latin class way back when, and I would put blue dots on the sections that I thought were interesting and story-like, you know, because they were just fascinating, and there were blue dots everywhere in that book. Yeah, because. He doesn't just talk about the history. He talks about what people say from yep. regions he hasn't been to. And there are some fabulous things that people thought were real. Yeah. It's amazing. Before Very you true. do, I'm going to say, while well, I will never read the National Enquirer, give me Suetonius any day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Dave, you were saying you pull stories from true crime happening mm-hmm. right now. I do the exact same thing with true crime that happened thousands of years ago. Exactly. Um, And, you know, I love... To me, I can write a story, and it will never be as good as something that I'm pulling out of history that actually happened, because for some reason, real life is crazier and more out there than you can push fiction. And I love that. Well, it's because it's the believability issue. Um, I'm sure that's part of it. I was... there was when they were building the atomic bomb, you know, Fat Man and Little Boy, mm-hmm. or yeah, Thin Man. Right. Okay, uh, point is, under a book, there is a play about this with the scientists in the play and uh, the scientists as characters in the play, rather. And they have the bomb, on, uh, of course, a fake bomb, on set with some mattresses underneath hanging, and. You know, someone was being interviewed, I don't know if it was the director or someone else, so, you know, isn't that just a little bit too ridiculous for us? Like, well, that's what they did in real life. So yeah. the thing is, you can do things that are too ridiculous to be believed if they really happened. <laughs> that's something that um, got people into trouble in writing workshops that I've been in. They would write something based, in, like, almost entirely on a real-life experience, and we would say, that's not believable. And they'd be like, but that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's not believable in a story. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's that, a funny thing. That's the thing. Again, with fantasies, they get you to believe things that clearly don't happen. So a lot of it is you need to present it differently so we believe it. <laughs> well, and you can also find things in history that equal or better what we can create. So I would mm-hmm. actually throw up the uh, love trilogy with Cleopatra and Julius Caesar and Mark Antony against mm-hmm. any romance novel that comes out. True. Because there is just so much in there. And that's just one story. I mean, you can go to the Chinese emperors and find, you know, similar stories. Mm-hmm. You can go to the kings of Europe and find more, you know. But 
they're just so good stories in the in, in our real to history. Kill Rasputin. Oh, that's oh, a great that one. story. Can There's... someone please explain? Explain this, please. Okay. Because it's amazing. Okay. Uh, so Rasputin, for those of you who don't know, uh, I don't know how you can't know, uh, was a Russian. Um, Monk, right? Monk, yeah, yeah, he was a monk. Uh, and essentially. charlatan. And yeah. Char- yeah. <laughs> Let's put yeah. monk in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, at the time of uh, the last czar, uh, Nicholas, mm-hmm. uh, his wife, um, in order, their son uh, had... Uh, Hemophilia. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had issues, and the only thing that ever made him better was what Rasputin did. So he became the... Crown jewel of the royal, of the Russian court, and basically became power behind the throne. Oh yeah, yeah, and was a crazy madman. Yes. Okay. So, jump forward a few years, and it's time. Rasputin's too powerful. There's rumors he was might have had a relationship with the empress and all this other stuff. Uh, so he had to go. So one night they decided to kill him. And I, I recommend reading everything because even though we're going to go over it, we're not going to get it all. <laughs> and that's sad. But it started with dinner. Um, they poisoned his food and his drink. And he ate it fully. He drank uh, it. He drank fully? it fully, you know, and partied long into the night. <laughs> uh, much to the wonderment of everyone sitting there at the table who was expecting him to die in a few minutes. Um, they then jumped him. Uh, they shot him several times. They stabbed him a couple of times. They beat him up a couple of times. They then chained him up, dragged him outside, dragged him behind horses and stuff like that to the bridge, took him and dumped him into the river. Uh, and after all of this, he gets dragged out of the river the next day or something like that. And much to everyone's amazement, he had drowned. That was the official cause of death. <laughs> so for everything that they had tried, they failed. Which I think led a fiction writer, I can't think of his name, but I'm going to tell you the book. The book is I, Vampire, yes. has Rasputin as a vampire. Yes. <laughs> so he was undestructible. <laughs> then why did he drown? <laughs> they really didn't. Uh, okay. in, in the book. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a crazy story. Like I said, there's a thousand other things they did to him that night. Um... He should have died a hundred times over, and none of it worked. So uh, you can you can read into that all you want. <laughs> Holy men, madmen, devil, yeah, he got it all, and he had all the superstitions around him. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember he was a monk. Oh yeah, he was the mad monk. I think he had a daughter too. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna admit to something because Fedora threw it open, but it's not. I wouldn't bow differently, and I. Do not necessarily always write history, though I have written some historical stories. In high school, in elementary school and all that stuff, I hated history. Now, anybody around here, around this table, knows how much I love history today. There were two things that kept me in love with history. One, there were some men down the street when I was growing up that were Viet- World, yeah, wrong war, World War II veterans. They would talk about their stories. And, of course, they kind of kept, kept them semi-clean. Because, hey, I was a kid. Um, so that got me a little interested, but then along came Will Durant. And my 11th grade teacher of world history introduced me to Will Durant, and ever since then, my love of history took off. 
If you've never will, read Will Durant, does anybody not know who he is around the table? Kathleen. Kathleen, okay. Will Durant, and eventually Will and Ariel Durant, which is his wife, Will was a high school teacher at one time, if I remember right. Ariel was one of his students. Uh, they eventually got married. Long story there. This was back in the time. But anyway, he wrote a series, of, among other things, he wrote a series of books on his on European history, going from Babylon, Egypt, and so forth, the original ancient empires, up through the age of Napoleon. And each of these books are about the size of a dictionary. Some bigger. And it's different sections. There's like Caesar and Christ. That's one. Um, the Age of Voltaire is another one. But what he did is it wasn't like what they would teach in high school back when I was there. In 1492, Christopher Columbus sailed across the ocean. He had this. Memorize this dates. Do this. No. He broke it down to how did people live? What did they think? How they even make their cosmetics or how they do surgery or anything like that. What was the government's like? How they choose their governments? What was the philosophy like? You literally, if you would read them, read a book from cover to cover, you got immersed in that time period. And that was something I absolutely loved, and I still do. And when I read, when I get ready to write a historical fiction, I had a whole series of short stories at one time. They didn't get published, but they were mysteries set in 1730s through this. My goal was to bring it up to 1770s in Williamsburg, Virginia. And using basically the idea of Will Durant, I started reading every book I could about getting deep down into how people were like, what they were like, what they were thinking, and so forth. So guilty pleasure. Yes, I love to research as well. I like to research. Mm -hmm. But uh, mine is is somewhat different. I like to read the papers from 1898. Mm, I love newspapers. I love to read those articles, and I especially love to read their advertisements. Ah, It is a window into the way people lived in those days. Most certainly. Most definitely. It's not guilty, though. I love doing it, and I'll admit it to anybody. Exactly. It's research. Yes. We get to put a lot under the research hat. (laughs) I have something that uh, as with reading certain books in public spaces, um, can get me judged vocally from people, because it has. Um, something that I love um, is the tabloids that have the conspiracy theories and the monsters. I love, <laughs> love you those. Love the alien, you love the alien baby, alien... <laughs> Elvis, vampire-sucking baby. Yes, those are amazing. I wrote a story based on a tabloid headline and tried to make it true to life, and it was just insanely fun. I love things like that. Those people are having fun with their jobs. Mm -hmm. That just gives me joy to read about. And you know what's actually kind of scary is the fact that National Enquirer, which is one of those magazines you're talking about, Mm -hmm. actually busted some congressmen and, and turned out to be real. Wow. So I was like, okay, now how much is fiction well, and how much is I, I think it's the odds when you just throw spaghetti at the Actually, <laughs> one of them will stick. stick. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's my saving grace well, on them. That, that's the thing about tabloids. It's, oh, there, there was another, this is a science sort of, okay, science is in big quotes, science magazine. It's called The Annals of Improbable Research. 
Okay. About a third of the research is true, a third is made up, and a third of our readers can't tell the difference. That's our official logo. Wow. <laughs> what is it called? Annals of Improbable that. Research. Wow, I want that. Yeah, and you can get a subscription to it. And again, I actually, one of my professors had an article published in that. It was actually a false article, but he actually gave it to us in class to read because it was the, me- the method was good. He was training sperm not to uh, fertilize the egg, and that was, you know, clearly... <laughs> he was using... And now we've moved into another kind of guilty pleasure. Wow. But he was doing... Um, of course, this was all made up, but he was very carefully outlining uh, the steps of behavioral uh, change and how you do it. That is awesome. So- and the thing is, all this false research is written by real scientists. Yeah. So it's, yeah. That's an awesome way of just having fun. Yeah. It is. Oh, my goodness. See, that's the point. You should have fun with your writing. Yes, sometimes we have to be serious and write big whole books that are all serious and make sense and stuff. But then I think other times we should just sit down and literally write The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. (laughs) There you go. Just play. Exactly. You know what? With that, I think you you just finished off this episode. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. So next week... (laughs) (laughs) So join us next week for yet another interesting topic on Right Pack Radio, and have a happy week writing. The Right Pack would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their bookstore. STL Books and Gifts is St. Louis's newest independent bookstore with an emphasis on fine literature for adults and children and the most comprehensive selection of St. Louis books available anywhere. Visit them online at stlbooks.com or in person at 100 West Jefferson Avenue, Kirkwood, Missouri, 63122. Tune in next week as the Right Pack will conquer yet another pondering issue in the writing industry. Theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.